Good morning, everyone. I'm Nikki Pete, your worship associate today. And it's my pleasure to welcome you to the Williamsburg Unitarian Universalist online worship service. Our other worship leaders today are our minister, Reverend Laura Horton Ludwig, our director of religious education, Austin Peterson, and our musicians, Dave Robbins, Jane Ferguson, and John Trindle. If you'd like to follow along with the order of service, I invite you to visit wuu.org to download a copy. The link is right next to the links to join in remotely. If you're visiting today, we invite you to share your name in the chat if you like, and anything you'd like us to know about you. We're glad you're here. And if you're not yet on our email list and you'd like to join, to keep up with opportunities to connect, serve, and grow, please fill out our online visitor form also at wuu.org, right underneath the link to download the order of service. For our Zoom participants today, please note that at this time you might want to change to speaker view so that you'll have a better view of whoever is speaking. Our AV technicians will be muting and unmuting you as needed. And again, for our folks on Zoom, we invite you to stay after the service for a time of small group check-in and conversation. Now we continue with music by Dave Robbins. Again, welcome. We're happy that you've joined us via live stream audio or video or Zoom. Whether you've come seeking comfort, encouragement, or inspiration, you belong here. You're seen here. Even if you're joining by phone and we cannot see you physically, if you're a visitor, we offer you special welcome and a warm thank you for joining us online today. Now I invite you to join in saying our welcoming words. Please, as you say these words, speak them to each other, please, and know that we are connected across the distance. The words are pasted into the Zoom chat. We'll do this as a call and response. I'll say one line, then you say it out loud, wherever you are. Folks on Zoom, we will unmute you so that you can hear each other. Now we'll pause for a second while the AV folks get everybody up to speed. Up to speed. <laughs> <laughs> 
Come, come, whoever you are. Come, come, whoever you are. Whomever you love. Whomever your image of the holy. Whatever your image of the holy. Presence here is a gift. The presence here is a gift. Here is a gift. All are worthy. All are welcome. All are worthy. All are welcome. All are welcome. <laughs> Good morning again. Such a joy to see you all today. As we continue with our month of May exploring thresholds, I offer these words by Linda Barnes. Suspended between all that was and all that might be, we struggle to find this very moment to live this very moment. Let us sit together for a moment and savor this moment. Let us relish this between time where past meets future. Let us harbor a faith that reminds us that right now, right here is enough. Come, let us worship together. Now please join me in saying the words to light our chalice as we highlight the Miller Moore family today. If you have a chalice or candle handy nearby, please go ahead and light it now. Again, we'll unmute you and do this as a call and response. We'd like this Thank you, Miller Morris. It's great to see you in your natural habitat. So I'm going to invite our kids to listen up. I have a story today. I am so excited. Usually Austin gets to tell the story, but today we swapped places. So I get to share a story with you. And the story today is the very, very, very first story in the Bible. It's about Adam and Eve, who you've probably heard of. The story begins like this. God created the universe and the water, and the land, and the animals, and plants. And then God created the first people, Adam and Eve. And Adam and Eve lived in the Garden of Eden. Beautiful place. Couldn't be more pretty. And God said to Adam and Eve, have fun. Do whatever you want in this wonderful garden, except for one thing. And God pointed to the tree over there and said, do you see that tree? That is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Whatever you do, God said, don't eat the fruit from that tree. Now, I have a question at this point for our kids. And that question is this, have you ever had someone tell you not to do something and it makes you really want to do it? Can you think of a time when you really wanted to do something someone told you not to do? If you can think of that, put it in the chat. What do you think? I'll, I'll start. Um, mine is going to be to stay up really late. Any other examples? When has someone told you to not to do something and it makes you want to do it? What do you think? Adults can play too. Eat all the ice cream. Oh, I know. That's a good one. <laughs> 
we may have some other examples coming in. Ooh, eat tons of candy. Absolutely. Don't peek. Oh, so true. Climb the apple tree. Don't cross the street. Ooh, don't go into the woods. Don't you just want to go into those woods? Climb a tree that is very tall. Ooh, I feel a broken arm coming on. I hope that didn't actually happen. So, so we get the sense like it makes us want to do the thing. So going back to the Garden of Eden, what do you think Adam and Eve wanted to do? Do you think maybe they wanted to try that fruit? One day, along came a snake, or rather, as they call the snake in the Bible, a serpent. I love that word, serpent. And the serpent comes up to Eve this one day and says, hey, Eve, why don't you go eat that fruit? And Eve says, well, God said we weren't supposed to. And the serpent says, come on, if you eat it, your eyes will be opened and you will know what's good and what's evil, just like God. So Eve said, that sounds pretty cool. And she ate the fruit. And then Eve didn't want to be the only one who had tried the fruit. So then she convinced Adam to eat the fruit too. And he did. What do you think happens next? God shows up. And God said, did you just eat that fruit I told you not to eat? And Adam said, what do you think he said? Adam said, yeah, but it was Eve's fault. And Eve says, yeah but it was the snake's fault. So God, first of all, is really mad at the snake. And God is also really kind of mad at Adam and Eve. He's really actually pretty disappointed at them. And God says, I told you not to eat the fruit. And God says, since you've eaten the fruit, I don't have any choice. I have to kick you out of the garden. So God did. God went ahead and kicked them out of the garden of Eden. And God said, this is actually a really cool thing. God puts a big flaming sword at the entrance of the garden, a big flaming sword so that they can't ever get back in. And the day that happened was the day that Adam and Eve grew up and the rest of their lives began. And that is why the rest of the Bible is very, very long, because they have a lot of living yet to do. Thanks for listening to the story. We're going to tell it a different way now. I'm really excited that we have some videos to share with you today. Our own Jane Ferguson and John Trindle have made some music videos for us, and we're going to watch the first one right now. It's all about Adam and Eve. My name is Adam. My name is Eve. I was the first man to live and breathe. God made the ocean. He made it blue. He told us only forbidden fruit. Oh, he can see us. Amen. 
Just beautiful. Thank you so much. Would you be with me now in the spirit of meditation, reflection, and prayer? Now I invite you to take a moment and call to mind those who are particularly on your heart today. If you are on Zoom, I invite you to type their name into the chat. Let us all reach out in loving kindness and draw the circle wide. And now holding all these loved ones, all our cares and joys, I invite you to add your own silent prayers and meditations and join me in this moment of silence. Amen, and blessed be. Please join in singing with the hymn. The text should be posted in the chat box. Um, this is 309, Earth is our homeland. Sorry, my video is not on. Hi. Star names in the sky for men. 
myths that play as poets play bring meaning to our lives for every praise that holds our days we'll sing till the final day arrives music is Good morning. It is great to see and be with everyone again this morning. As we have been apart physically, there is a greater awareness of how connected we are. We don't take anything for granted. We care for each other from afar. We yearn to be together again. There are so many examples of all of us, all of you, reaching out to help one another through kind acts and words. All of us are affected one way or another by this pandemic. Some of us have suffered through the ravages of the infection or cared for friends or family. Others are experiencing financial hardship or loneliness. I am here today to express gratitude on behalf of the annual giving team. Jim Kent, Ty Alexander, Martha Aline, Rich Costello, Dave Banks, and Tetro, and our departed friend, Larry Ventus. We have been seeing your generosity as pledges come in one by one, getting us closer to our goal. We are especially grateful for new pledges from our WUU friends. Some of you have told us that you are unable to pledge this year or unable to pledge as much. And we understand and you are just as much a part of the WUU family as ever. There are people in this congregation who make incredible contributions in ways that are not financial. Through involvement in social justice, through teaching RE classes, helping out with physical tasks around the building and grounds, serving on our caring team, serving on committees, singing in the choir, and countless other ways. These contributions are no less valuable than the financial ones. It takes both kinds. And for every person who can't give this year or can't give as much, we are seeing someone else step up and say, hey, I can give a little more. This is what we're about now more than ever. WUU's mission is carried out through our budget, which pays our staff and mortgage and supports our ministries. As I speak, the annual budget is being finalized to be presented to the board later this month. I don't need to tell you that with all the uncertainties we face, 
your pledges will make a difference in how we are able to continue compensating our staff and how we are able to respond to needs caused by the pandemic. We have a goal of $405,000 for the coming year, and we have reached $371,223. Our campaign officially ended on Friday, but we are making this final appeal today for those who are still considering their annual gift to send your pledge in. You can go to wuu.org and fill out your pledge on a very simple form on our website. On a personal note, I have decided to increase my pledge. I made my pledge at an early stage in the campaign before anything was known about the COVID-19. I am fortunate that I have not been significantly impacted financially. In fact, we have received a relief payment from the government and quite honestly, we're not spending as much money being isolated. We're not spending much on gas, haircuts, eating out, and just buying things. So I'm doing this because I love WUU and what it stands for. I would ask that those of you who are able to, who are able to consider raising your pledge this year, once again, on behalf of our team, thank you for your generosity. Thank you, Ben. And I would like to echo Ben in thanking you for your generous support of this congregation. And now I'd like to offer a way for you to come together in support of our broader community. These days, a lot of folks in our local community are going through some very tough times. They may be struggling to afford rent payments, utility bills, or groceries. Our offering today goes to support the fund we have to respond to those needs, the Minister's Charitable Giving Fund. With your donations, we can offer confidential help to members of this congregation and anyone in the greater Williamsburg area who needs it. We also use the Charitable Giving Fund to support agencies that provide direct services in our community. Especially in these times, your donation is deeply appreciated. If you're joining us for the first time, please feel free to give if you wish, and also know that your presence here is gift enough. If you'd like to give through our website, please visit wuu.org and click on Give online at WUU. If you'd like to give by text, please text the dollar amount of your gift to 757-500-0688. And again, 757-500-0688. And follow the prompts from there. Or if you prefer to give by check, please mail your check to WUU 3051 Ironbound Road, Williamsburg, Virginia 23185. Thank you so much. drives away and follows you back home. I'm a street light shining. I'm a white light blinding bright, burning off and on. And it's times like these you learn to begin. It's times like these you give and times like these you learn to love again. It's times like these time and time again. I'm a new day rising. I'm a brand new sky that hangs stars upon the night. I'm a little divided. Do I stay or run away and leave it all behind? 
times like these you learn to live again. It's times like these you give and give again. It's times like these you learn to love again. It's times like these time and time again. want to say thank you Jane Ferguson for your music and John Trindle it's just so amazing that we can do these videos I, I just am so grateful thank you thank you all so today's readings help us to see the Garden of Eden story with hopefully some fresh eyes the first reading today might be familiar to our choral singers. You may know it from Benjamin Britten's Ceremony of Carols. It's a 15th century English poem called Adam Lay E Bounden, or Adam Lay Bound, as we would say today. It's in this wonderful Middle English dialect. And it looks back on Adam eating the apple and dares to suggest that even though it was a disaster at the time, in the end, it brought forth tremendous good. So here we go. Adam lay ebounden, bounden in a bond. Four thousand winter thought he not too long. And all was for an apple, an apple that he took, as clerks finden, written in their book, which means as clerks find written in their book in the Bible. Now, how did the apple takey bin? The apple takey bin. Now, had never Our Lady been heaven's queen, meaning if Adam had never taken the apple, Mary would have never become the queen of heaven. And so the poem concludes Blessed be the time that apple taken was. Therefore, we may sing in Deo gratias. Thanks be to God. Thanks, Laura. The second reading is a much more contemporary take on the Garden of Eden. It's a story by a former member and longtime friend of this congregation, Reverend Dr. Rebecca Parker. In the traditional interpretation of the story, she says, Adam and Eve in the garden were innocent of themselves and of the knowledge of good and evil. Within the safe confines of the garden, all was provided for them. They were to ask no questions and be obedient to the rules outlined by God. In this state of primordial bliss, Adam and Eve were compliant and dependent. They cooperated with the divine ruler and rules. This state was holy. The two were without sin, living in harmony with God. She continues, this interpretation of the Garden of Eden story sanctions innocence ignorance, and lack of self-consciousness. It teaches that a carefully contained life, walled in by a providential God whom one is never to question, is a good life. In this interpretation, to know the world and its goodness and its evil, and to know ourselves capable of both, is to lose God. To taste reality is to follow the devil. Such a theology is admirably suited to the preservation of compartmentalized, alienated states of mind. It teaches that a social structure 
and which one is abundantly provided for is not to be questioned. This image comforts whites who benefit from economic structures that assure their thriving. One is to accept privilege and never ask at what cost the Walden Garden is maintained. A different theology, she says, begins with the sanctification of knowledge and wisdom rather than the blessing of innocence and ignorance. The serpent can be reimagined as a representation of a God who calls one beyond the circumscribed comforts of the garden. To long to know, to reach for wisdom, to taste and see the bitterness as well as the sweetness, to come to know good and evil. These movements can be embraced at the movement of God's leading. Thank you, Nikki. Thank you so much. So I want to begin today with a shout out to all the William and Mary students whose graduation ceremonies ought to have been held this weekend. And indeed, all of the students, the high schoolers, all the college students, and the graduate students whose graduations are going to be so different from what they had been looking forward to. We're thinking about you all. We're proud of you. At this time of year, I often think back to what my own college graduation was like. And I remember the festivities and the robes and all that were fun. I, I'm really fortunate that we had that experience. But what I remember most vividly is waking up the day after graduation and realizing that I was about to be exiled from a time and place that had been very special to me. I went to Harvard and we were a little unusual there in that most undergrads lived in the dorms for all four years and usually in the very same dorm for our sophomore, junior and senior years. So we stayed with those same people for quite a while. I had lucked out with some wonderful dorm mates who became the best friends that I've ever had and still are today. And I remember that day after graduation, realizing that we were all leaving. My friend Kate was moving down to DC. My friend Perry was going back to California. Everybody was scattering. And the day after graduation, we all had to scramble to get our stuff out of the dorm by the end of the day. And then it was just done. I turned in my key and just like that, I was locked out of the place that had been the center of my life. And I just remember feeling deeply sad. Of course, life went on and lots of things have happened since then, some hard things and many wonderful things. But I do remember that sad feeling as the door locked behind me. As I think of where we are now in the midst of this pandemic, both literally and metaphorically locked out of so many places and relationships that mean the world to us. Even though lots of good things may be happening to us even now, we have all been exiled from people and places we love and the sadness is real. That's why I thought it might help us to sit with the story of Adam and Eve today and especially that moment when they find themselves kicked out of the beautiful garden, the only home they'd ever known. And in this moment of knowing they can't go back, not ever, for them too, the sadness and the pain are so real. But on the far side of that locked gate, they're still here and they have each other and a whole world is waiting for them, not the same as where they've been, but maybe beautiful and even lucky. Can I read you some poetry about this moment? I was an English major back in my college days and back in freshman English Lit, we read Paradise Lost, which is a mammoth 17th century poem by John Milton about Adam and Eve. Don't worry, I'm not gonna read it all. 
I still have my Norton Anthology of English Literature with this wonderful portrait of Queen Elizabeth. And among the passages that I underlined in my very, very careful, earnest freshman student way um, was, was this passage right here, which I will read to you, the very last lines of this epic poem. They, that is to say Adam and Eve, they looking back, all the Eastern side beheld of paradise, so late their happy seat, waved over by that flaming brand, the sword, the flaming sword that bars their way back, the gate with dreadful faces thronged and fiery arms. Some natural tears they dropped, but wiped them soon. The world was all before them, where to choose their place of rest and providence their guide. They hand in hand with wandering steps and slow through Eden took their solitary way. And that's the end of the poem. So even in this painful moment of exile, there's a sense of hope that is already being born. The world was all before them. And I do feel hope in thinking of the future before us, even now, though it is a hope that may need our efforts to bring it into being. I think of Rebecca Parker's wonderful interpretation of the Adam and Eve story that Nikki read for us. She challenges that traditional idea that Adam and Eve were better off before they tasted the apple. She says, no, that kind of thinking makes ignorance a virtue. And in a society like ours that is so torn by inequality, we are not called to hang out in little bubbles of ignorance about what's happening in the world. We are called to see and know what's going on. We are called toward a growing knowledge of good and evil so that we can choose to do good and resist evil as best we understand it. And our Unitarian tradition is bold enough to say, this is the whole point of religious life, to do good, to resist evil as best we understand it, in the service of the love that is always calling us forward. And when has there ever been a better time to wake up and choose what is good? Here we are right now, kicked out of the garden that was our former lives before COVID-19. But the whole world is still before us. By which I mean, we can choose which way we go from here, as individuals, as a congregation, as a society. Aren't we hoping and trying to use this pain, not only to get out of this crisis as soon as we can, but also to bring about some longer term changes that will make life better for everyone, especially the folks who are most vulnerable. What we are working for is an economy that puts human well-being and the health of the planet first, not last. And as so many people have been pointing out these days, we do have an opportunity here. It is my fervent hope that we will learn from this crisis. And in the coming years, we will be able to take the visceral pain that we are all experiencing and use it to move our society toward changes like better health insurance and health care and some kind of basic security so that losing your job won't mean you lose everything. I do not know if this will happen, but I'm willing to work for it. And I believe you are too. And I am willing to bring hope to the table. After all, many would say the serpent who invited Eve and Adam to taste of the fruit of the tree was in fact a healer. Cultures around the world teach that the serpent is one of the most powerful healing spirits there is. 
We see echoes of this ancient teaching in the image of the caduceus, two snakes twined around the staff, the symbol in this country of the medical arts. And I choose to believe that we can still use this time to work for the healing of our country, even as our scientists and nurses and doctors work so hard for the healing of human bodies. As we stand here on the far side of a locked gate, cut off from the garden of our former lives, I leave you with an ancient message of hope. The medieval theologians of Europe had an idea that evil can bring forth good. They taught the story of Adam and Eve in their own day, and they called it the fortunate fall. The fortunate fall. They said, yes, it is true that when Adam and Eve tasted that fruit, it unleashed a world of sorrow and pain. But then they went on to say, if that had not happened, we could not have experienced the good that has also come out of it, the good that we are beyond grateful for. And so that medieval poet could boldly declare, blessed be the time the apple taken was, not cursed, but blessed. I confess in this moment, I'm not quite there. I do not feel fully blessed by this moment. I would give a lot to turn back the clock and do things differently. But since that cannot be, I do have hope that we will look back on this time and be able to say to each other, holding all the joy and pain, that we used this time as best we could and our efforts bore good fruit. So may all the forces of healing lead us toward a deeper knowledge of good and evil and deepen our compassion and solidarity with all our fellow beings. This is my prayer. This is my hope. So may it be an amen. Well, I won't back down No, I won't back down You can stand me up at the gates of hell But I stand my ground be turned out and I keep this old world from dragging me Yeah.
Everyone loves your hats as well as your voice. Now, let us say the words to extinguish the chalice. The Millermore family will be back to do that for us. And we invite you to blow out your candle at home at the same time. We'll paste the words in the Zoom chat. Again, we'll do this as a call and response. <laughs> You're ready, aren't you? I can we extinguish this flame. Not the light of truth. Not the light of truth. Warmth of community. Warmth of community. Warmth of community. Fire of commitment. Fire of commitment. We carry in our hearts. We carry in our hearts. Until we are together again. We are together again. We should probably put out a Ah, it's time to close. And I want to invite you to extend your hands, knowing that we are together in community. And as we go forth, may your journey be blessed in all times and all seasons, in sunshine and in storms, in joy and in sorrow. May love be with you and strength and peace. Bless you as once again you take up your task to bless this world. May it be so, blessed be, and amen. <laughs>